0: Welcome to A Life That Lasts. I am your host, Kendall Keeler, author of Your Last 24, a book about courageously facing death. I'm here with my friend Nancy Engel, a mom, a grandma, a writer, and a cancer warrior. Together we are discussing each chapter of my book and interviewing various guests who can provide helpful perspectives on this often avoided topic of death. You can find lots more information about us, the podcast, and my book at kendallkeeler.com. That's spelled K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-E-E-L-E-R.com.
1: Hello, courageous friends, and thanks for joining us. I'm Nancy Engel, and this is episode number 25 of the podcast, it's Sunday, the thirteenth of june twenty twenty one as we record this, and today we will be discussing our twenty two invited to follow
0: yeah, this is one of those chapters that I reread it and I was thinking about it, and some of the other chapters, I felt like there was uh more that I wanted to say than what was in the chapter mm-hmm for some reason, this particular chapter, when I read it, I'm like, that is exactly what I wanted to say. (laughs) And so I thought for today, we would do another, what you might call a free chapter giveaway, Mm -hmm. or, you know, this is a test for an audio podcast or or an audio book or whatever, Um, would be just to read through this particular chapter. It's a very short chapter, as all of the chapters are in this book. (laughs) So as we prepare to go through this particular chapter, I felt like it would be best just to read through it. Mm -hmm. And what I have in this chapter is what I really felt like I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. And last time we shared a little bit of our own journeys. Yes. And in this particular chapter, what I'm inviting the listener to do is to have your own journey with this person named Jesus. And you might think, Jesus, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to read through just different paragraphs here. And Nancy and I will comment on uh, the content that's in there. And I just you, invite you just, you know, t- take some time to just listen and don't try try not to be too too quick to uh, say, I'm not going on that bandwagon. I There's no interest here in trying to convince you to, to do something you don't want to do. I think that uh, as you listen to this, you might uh, be surprised in how I share about the opportunity to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm.
1: Consider
0: Jesus. Consider Jesus.
1: Consider him.
0: So the beginning of this chapter starts like this. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus. You do not need to believe everything about Jesus to be qualified to follow him. And that might be a surprise to most people. You don't. You don't have to believe everything about Jesus to be qualified to follow him. Most of Jesus' first followers were confused by his message and unsure of what to believe about him, but they followed anyway. As they followed, they listened to Jesus' teaching and discovered that he consistently challenged his followers to courageously face their deaths. So Jesus talked about a lot of different things, but that was one thing that came up over and over again, was Jesus consistently talking about death. For example, one day, Jesus told his followers, quote, Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake We'll save it." End quote. That's from Luke 9, verse 24. By this, Jesus meant that whoever does not face the reality of death is going to regret it. But if a person courageously faces death, they will be glad they did. Doesn't this teaching sound similar to the comments of Professor Morey, who I referenced earlier in this book, uh, Professor Morey, um had had said uh, this. So remember, Mori said that learning how to die will help us learn how to live. And that, I believe, is what Jesus meant when he said, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it.
1: It's interesting that you... Use this scripture passage and the meaning that you pull out here because it's a totally new concept to me, Mm. even though, you know, I've been churchified all my life, but (laughs) I always viewed that as your will more than actual death. Like if you, um, and it probably applies to that as well, Mm -hmm. but lose your will to Jesus, like surrender. If you hold on to your will and you're, yeah. Yeah. this is how it's going to be, you will lose your life. But if you surrender to Jesus and his ways, you will gain gain life. So this is just a new way of looking at it, Mm -hmm. and I'm intrigued by that. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think that the reason I'm so specific about saying I believe it refers to death is because Jesus talks about we need to die to ourselves. Right, in order to live his life, and and so even though it is a, I'm using it in a way to talk about physical death. Right. Earlier in the book, I talk about there's multiple types of death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is physical death. Mm-hmm. There is spiritual death. There is social mm-hmm. death. All of it is related to separation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and so Jesus in this passage is saying. If you want to uh, save yourself from separation, you need to have the courage (laughs) to be separated from some things that might be uncomfortable for you to be separated from. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of the the irony of it, I guess.
1: It is. And then in the next paragraph, Mm -hmm. you touch on something these three important words
0: yeah so here's the next paragraph however there is one three-word phrase that Jesus included in his statement which professor Mori did not dare to propose Jesus states that courageously facing death will result in the saving of one's life only if it's done, quote, for my sake, end quote. Jesus is controversially claiming that one's life can be saved exclusively Mm -hmm. through himself. This is the point at which many people slam the door on Jesus. How can one person claim to be the exclusive way to anything? We live in a culture of multiple options when seeking to accomplish a goal. For example, if you want to cook an egg, the options for completing the task are seemingly endless. You could cook it over a campfire or a gas burner, in an oven, with a microwave, or, if it's hot enough, on blacktop. We don't recommend that, however. (laughs) (laughs) You may want to make sure the blacktop is clean. (laughs) Claiming exclusivity feels as manipulative to modern humans as a dictatorship or a forced monopoly for these reasons we are typically not attracted to the idea of exclusivity however there is one type of exclusivity which is very attractive everyone is riveted when technology advances and a new product is launched our minds and emotions reel with adoration and praise when someone claims to have discovered an entirely new idea, one we never realized could exist. In these moments, we celebrate exclusivity. It's the only one of its kind, claims the manufacturer, and they're correct. Nothing similar had ever existed. It was in this way that Jesus proposed to be exclusive. He claimed a relationship with death Unlike anyone before or after him This he most vividly demonstrated a few days after the death of a close friend Which occurred in a small town called Bethany Located east of Jerusalem in modern-day Israel The story is told in John 11 Quote I am the resurrection and the life Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live With this mind-boggling claim, Jesus approached the grave of his friend, who had been dead for four days, long enough for an unembalmed corpse to begin decaying and emitting a horrible smell. Take away the stone, Jesus commanded. Shocked, the family of the deceased resisted. There will be an odor, exclaimed the dead man's sister, Clearly concerned that Jesus was making a horrible mistake. Undeterred, Jesus challenged this grieving family to trust him. When they did, Jesus walked up to the grave where his friend Lazarus was buried and visually demonstrated that he had exclusive power over death. Lazarus, come out, Jesus commanded in a loud voice. Miraculously, the dead man came back to life." That one line there um, visually demonstrated that he had exclusive power over death. That's just the amazing part of that story to me is that was a moment in which Jesus um, wanted to show how he had an exclusive relationship with death compared to anyone else. He had the power to bring somebody back from the dead. Now, anybody out there who might be familiar with Scripture might be saying, well, didn't the disciples also later on, you know, the ones that followed him, didn't they raise people from the dead? They were doing it in the power of Jesus. Jesus Mm -hmm. was the only one who said, you know, it is, I have the power to do this. And and, um, he called himself, and so here's the quote. I am the resurrection and the life. No no one else has said that in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Such a claim seems ludicrous, unless it is true. If this story were the only one of its kind, I would personally categorize it as a historic legend. But anyone who studies Jesus' life discovers that resurrection was a constant theme. Jesus told his followers that he must suffer many things and be killed, but he also claimed that he would, on the third day, be raised. That's in Matthew 16, 21. During his sermons, Pastor Andy Stanley often says, if someone predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, I go with whatever that person says. And I agree. No one else in the history of the world, has made such an exclusive claim. Could it really be true that Jesus can resurrect life after death? As crazy as it may sound, I personally believe in resurrection. Amen. Furthermore, I propose that believing in resurrection is logical, provable, and livable. Now, for some who might be listening, you, you could thinking, how in the world can you say it's logical, provable, and livable? What in the world? How could resurrection be that? Well, I'm about ready to use some illustrations that we see every day that show how resurrection is not as absurd as we might think it might be. Back to the book. I believe in resurrection because what I have researched, reasoned, And personally experienced. For most, the word resurrection sounds foreign, as if we have never experienced anything like it before. But consider some of the common words that are synonyms. Restore, rejuvenate, energize, renew, revitalize, rekindle. We have all experienced these words. We have taken something that is broken to a repair shop, and the item is restored. We have been tired and experienced rejuvenation through the encouragement of a friend. We have felt distant from a loved one, but through a moment of mutual laughter, the warmth of our relationship is rekindled. Every spring, trees that appeared dead all winter burst with colorful blossoms and fresh green leaves. They are revitalized. It is at times like these when resurrection no longer seems absurd, but is logical and observable. And just a side comment, I just love springtime. There is something about seeing trees that appear like they were dead suddenly Mm -hmm. begin bursting forth, with leaves and blossoms and new growth. Mm -hmm. And you would wonder, could it be that the God who has resurrection power, who created this world, wanted to show us every year, for those of us who live in areas where we see those spring blossoms, and it's not just in those areas that people can see evidences of resurrection power. But it's that, I wonder, couldn't it be true that the God who created this world, created relationships, created situations in which we see transformation occur, rejuvenation occur, revitalization occur, want to give us a wedding of the appetite, you could say, or a, a priming of the pump to let us know, Resurrection isn't so obscure as maybe what we might think. Back to the book. Just because resurrection is sometimes difficult to believe does not prove that it is impossible. The power of resurrection is consistently proven through the many people whose lives are transformed after deciding to follow Jesus. Through the years after my high school coach challenged me to ask myself a last 24 question, I experienced transformation in the areas of my life that baffled both myself and others. When I attended my ten-year high school reunion, my classmates were shocked to learn that I had become a pastor. You, <laughs> Kendall Keeler, you're a pastor. Those classmates of mine were observing the reality of resurrection, and. In this book, I didn't get into all of the stupid things I did when I was in high school. (laughs) But they knew that I was a very different person at my 10-year reunion Mm -hmm. than what I was in high school. Mm -hmm. There was a resurrection. A resurrection. (laughs) Now, Nancy, you said something about this last paragraph. Do you want to comment before it or after?
1: You go ahead and read it.
0: You, too, could experience the power of resurrection in your life. Jesus is standing before your grave, where your decaying life is odorous. He is calling you to come out, to be restored, rejuvenated, energized, renewed, revitalized, rekindled. The only thing that sounds crazier then responding to his call would be to remain forever in your grave.
1: There's a song right now that we sang in church this morning, Graves into Gardens. Mm-hmm. It's a good song. About Jesus. He turns our graves, which this paragraph was talking about, into gardens full of life. Mm-hmm. Graves are void of life. And he does that for our lives. And the song says, you are the only one who can. There are a lot of self-help things that we can do to make our life better, improve our self-worth, if Mm -hmm. you will. But Jesus and sacrificing our life for his is the only way for our life, which is a grave, to become a garden that will even endure when we pass away.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. So if you're listening and, and you're wondering, well, what, what does that look like? How do I begin following Jesus? Well, think about the story that I shared in this chapter about Lazarus. And Jesus called him to come out and all he had to do was respond to the call he needed to uh somehow get up and, <laughs> and go but you know what else is a part of it too i think sometimes we underestimate the blessing of other people being a part of that process too so god could use a pastor in our lives or someone in our lives i mean somebody might use, you know somebody might say well this podcast helped me to to have Christ uh, call me out of the grave. So what I find interesting in that story that I didn't mention in this chapter is that Um Jesus invited some who were standing there to roll away the stone. Mm -hmm. I mean if Jesus could have raised him from the dead, Jesus could have went, you know, with his finger like uh,
1: that is true. He easily could have. Yeah,
0: but he invited people to roll Mm -hmm. away the stone. Mm
1: -hmm. And then when
0: Lazarus came out. He invited them to unwrap him. Yes. So what I want you to think about is don't allow this to merely be a private, you know, oh, I'm just going to pray a prayer and then everything in my life is going to change. We need to be part of communities that we can help one another continue to grow and and. And experience that transformation and that resurrection life. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, what we need to do is respond to Jesus' call, and say, and and just we we know how that within ourselves we we release our grip on what we want and mm-hmm. and kind of open our hands and say, okay, I'll, I'm going to stop fighting. I'm going to let you, Jesus, be the one that. Will lead and I will follow. I'll stop trying to be the leader and you know controlling everything. I'm going to trust you.
1: We're not even the co-pilot. We're in the back seat,
0: right? <laughs> Je- Jesus is driving and we're we're seeking to follow. Be a part of that. And so that's the first step is an internal decision. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing we all need to do is invite others uh, to to be aware that that is a change we want to make in our lives. We want mm-hmm. to be a follower of Jesus and communicate that to people that can help you. First of all, you could email one of us, send a message to an answer I, um, or if you're part of a church community, or if you're not part of a church community, that's where um, you can find people uh, that can really help you. Take off those grave clothes, Mm -hmm. you know, come out of the the grave and really, really start living for Jesus and following him.
1: And help you to tend your garden that is now growing. Yeah.
0: Grave in the garden. Amen. (laughs) That's our show for today. Blessings to you and to those you love. We're glad you have been listening to us talk about living a life that lasts now it's your turn. Courageously, sacrificially, live this week in such a way that your life will be a life that lasts.